we're going to go to one of the most familiar stories, and I've preached from it, I can't tell you how many times, uh, but there's... But the Word of God is like a diamond because the Lord will show you something and it will have a beautiful, bright hue. And then all it takes is for the Holy Spirit to go, yeah, but did you see this? And just a little bit of a turn, he'll, te he'll give you some other little revelation that you didn't have before. And suddenly that story takes on a whole brand new uh, hue and a brand new meaning to you. So we're going to, if you'll bear with me, we're going to go back to Mark, the fourth chapter. And let's start with verse 35. And the same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Now, how many understand that's the promise of Jesus? And if Jesus speaks something to you directly, you, it's as concrete as the foundation this building is sitting on. It will not go anywhere. It will stay there until you believe it enough for it to come to pass. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. Aren't you glad for the little ships in your life? Verse 37, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. In other words, it was taking on water because of the wind. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, the he being Jesus, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He gave them the word, go to the other side. A little bit of trouble, a little bit of wind, a little bit of water, and now fear has overtaken them, and now they're operating in a spirit of fear, not out of a spirit of faith. And here they are in the midst of a problem, and they're not exactly sure what to do. And when they turn to the one and only person who can answer the situation for them, they could have been operating in faith when they came to him and said, Look, Master, we made it to the other side, but they're actually coming to wake him up because they are fear, in fear, and he says to them, uh, why is it that you have no faith? Why is it you needed to wake me when this situation could have been handled by you? Oh, look at your neighbor and say, ooch. Verse 41, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him. Now, if you're going to have somebody in your boat, wouldn't it be nice to have Jesus in your boat who has the authority to tell the wind and the waves what to do? 
That's the God that I serve. I don't know about you, but that's the God I serve. So let's go back to the word again. On that same day, when the evening was come, verse 35, he said unto them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships, verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. That word arose is in the Greek is the word geomai or genomai. Genomai. Look at your neighbor and go, genomai. That word genomai in the Greek means out of nowhere, completely unexpected. This storm came upon them completely unexpected. This storm came from out of nowhere. How many have ever had a storm come at you out of nowhere? And all of a sudden your life is troubled and there are problems and it seems overwhelming and everything was fine just before that and you were confident in the word of God. But then suddenly here you are in a situation when the whole world seems like it's coming apart underneath you and there's nothing concrete for you to stand on and all you can feel are the waves and the wind. How many have ever been there in your life? Mm. You see, the disciples, they worked on this lake. They knew it. They were fishermen. They weren't, they weren't uh, uh, how do I want to say, they weren't novice at storms. They weren't novice at reading the conditions by watching the skies as to what the weather would predict for them. So they're not novices out here. They know this lake. They know the currents. They know the high spots. They know the low spots. They know the weather patterns by watching the sky. And they, they wouldn't have sailed if the weather looked threatening. So when the Lord gave this command to them, everything seemed to be good. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have sailed if it even hinted of foul weather because they know the dangers of weather and water. But this was a windstorm, not a rainstorm. There weren't any clouds in the sky to let them know there's a wind coming. They would have known it's going to rain and there's going to be wind. Now this came from out of nowhere. They couldn't see it coming. It came unexpectedly, and there was no warning. Everything's fine one minute. The next thing you know, the wind begins to pick up. Their hair begins to blow. Their clothes begin to wave in the wind. Before they know it, suddenly the boat is rocking, and the waves are beginning to raise and lower, and that boat is rocking more and more. And they're not afraid. They're mariners. They know what waves will do. But there comes a point when even a mariner has no more control. You can only control so much of your 
circumstance and so much of your environment. And then there comes a time when there's just not enough and it just begins to become overwhelming. And then you add to that the wind is blowing strong enough and the boat is rocking enough and moving enough that water begins to fill in the ship and suddenly the boat begins to feel as though it's going to sink. Can you imagine what was running through their heart and through their mind? I will take off these glasses so I can see your expression. When I have these on, all I can see is a blur. I had to see you for a minute. You're too pretty. How many of you have ever been in a situation when something just overwhelmed you out of nowhere? And you're like, how in the world did this happen? This was certainly not on my radar. This was certainly not something that I had planned for nor anticipated. Yet here you are in the middle of it. The wind was unexpected. It was unrelenting. You ever had stuff come at you that just won't let up? How many of you have prayed and you expected it to let up right away? Oh, Lord, thank you. I'm doing better now. <laughs> ever been there? You look out the back window and things are rolling across the backyard. You ever had that moment? <laughs> Yesterday, yeah. Every time we have a little bit of storm, we got a bunch of oak trees in our yard. And, of course, if you know anything about an oak, oak tree, they're awesome. But when they get to a certain size, those limbs get brittle at the top. And the wind gets to hitting them, and those things come down. And I've got ant antique automobiles. I'm out there, like, praying over them. Oh, Lord, heal, my, heal this situation. Don't let my antique automobiles get beat up by tree limbs. Pastor Steve knows a little something about that happening at my house, unfortunately. This wind was unexpected, unrelenting, uncertain. Where's this coming from and what's causing it and what do I do about it? You ever been in that moment? Uncertain. I've had a lot of uncertain moments in my life. When I don't know exactly what it is or where I'm headed or what God's doing. And how am I going to get there? And what's going to be the end result? All I have is a promise that I'm going to make it to the other side. Sorry, I'm Pentecostal. All I have is his word. Now, when I say all I have, I'm speaking that from a human perspective. But when you have relationship with him and you know him in the fullness of who he is, that's everything. When you have that kind of confidence built into God, it's everything to have his word because if he's given you his word on a circumstance, it's, it is for sure going to happen in your life. Mm. This wind was unexpected, unrelenting, uncertain, and disorienting. There have been some real situations in my life when I lost direction real quickly, 
You think you know, you think you know the plan for your life. You think you know where you're headed until things go backwards, upside down, topsy-turvy. And all of a sudden, you're looking at yourself going, how in the world did I get here? And you don't know which direction to go from there. You ever been there? You ever had that moment in life when you just don't know what to do, what to do with you? Have you ever been so uncertain about life that you just don't even want to be around other people? Oh, look at the holiness in this room. We all do it from time to time. Now, there's times when it's like, I don't, I don't want nobody around me. I'm disoriented. And someone tries to come and offer you comfort, and you're just kind of like, would you just go away? Would you leave me alone? I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to get there. Get out of my life. Get out of my way. I just got to find something I can hold on to because <laughs> life is just tossing me to and fro, back and forth. And, and when you talk to me, I can't, get, I can't hold on to my fear. Oh, I did not say that, did I, Pastor Jerry? I didn't say that. The wind was unexpected, unrelenting, uncertain, disorienting, and life-threatening. If you don't hold on to God's word, when the enemy kicks up a wind in your life, it will feel life-threatening. We ought to, all of us around the world, not just in America, but around the world, understand that one seed of fear can cause nations to tremble. Because we don't hold on to the word we begin to fear. We begin to quake. We begin to worry. We begin to wring our hands. We begin to live out of that fear until everything in our life is motivated by fear and we don't realize that it's the enemy that's causing this motion in our life. We don't understand that it's it's the enemy of fear that is rocking our boat. And we don't have to live here, but we forgot the promise that was given to us that you're going to the other side. Mm. So they had a word, go to the other side. So this journey for these men had a purpose. May I suggest that the journey of your life has a purpose. You have a destiny in God. And you, if you trust him, will dock on the other side of this circumstance exactly where God has called you to be. You will get there in victory if you can remember the promise. His word says, go 
ye therefore into all the world. Preaching. If he didn't have your back, would he have given you that word? Think about it. Think about it. If he told you to go, you can go to places that, that angels fear to go. He's going to be with you in difficult and dark places. I went to the island nation of Haiti once. Beautiful sea of brown faces and brown, beautiful people. And I, can I just be ornery for just a second? I felt like a marshmallow on a big cup of hot chocolate. <laughs> Let me help all of us, all of us country bumpkins who have lighter colored skin. You don't know what it feels like to be a minority until you're a minority. Huh? Come on. And I was in that place and I realized I'm a minority. And every eye was watching me. I don't know if they really were, but it sure felt like it. And as I was walking from one place to another to, to, to get to my destination, I got to be honest with you, I had some fearful moments. Because when people are looking at you, and you don't know exactly what their expression is or how they feel about you being in their territory. It can be a frightening thing. Scary. I, I was in their territory. I was in their region. I was doing life in their borders. And I'm, if I'm honest, I had a fearful moment or two because there were a few folks who didn't look too friendly. There were a few folks who hollered things at me in another language. On the flip side of that, though, there were little children who come up out of curiosity and wanted to touch me because they don't see white people. I had some little girls wanted to touch my hair. And, of course, English is the second language there. And they touched my hair, and I heard them say, oh, soft. And I had little children touch me and then realize what they'd done, and they'd go. And for the first time in my life, I felt what it was to be different. I was raised here. We're all redneck. Come on. I was raised here. I didn't realize that just the color of your skin can make you feel different. In that region, I felt different. And there was some fear there. But you know, at the end of that journey, I saw God do some of the most miraculous things. And I found out that these people that I was afraid of, for the most part, are very kind and loving.
Just like in any nation, there's always someone who lives the opposite. But the majority of the people that I ran into were very welcoming and very good. The disciples had the word go to the other side because this journey had a purpose. I had a purpose to go to Haiti. For me to experience something outside of my norm. To see people who have to work seven days a week to put something on the table for the family to eat. To see the futility of trying to sell some kind of a wear or barter or trade on the streets just to have some kind of an existence. To go home to three pieces of tin and sweep the dirt floor. And that is their norm. When I came back to this nation, I don't know how I got on this, but when I came back to this nation, I knelt down and I kissed the ground. I knelt down and kissed the ground in the airport parking lot that I live in such a blessed place that we take for such granted. My eyes were opened. And the purpose for me to be there was to see the miracles that God could bring through a people who had nothing. When the offering plate would go by, there would be somewhere that that person would sell on the street in the offering. There was very little money in an offering plate in a church service. I saw shirts. I saw rocks that someone had polished and put in the offering plate because it was the best that they had to give. The disciples had this word, go to the other side. In the midst of it, unexpectedly, a windstorm, something they could not predict. Most of us go through that in our life somewhere along the line. But here was the purpose. When they docked to the other side, there was someone in great need at the end of their journey. If we would wake up every day and realize that today's a journey, and where will we dock today? And I'm, can I preach to me? I won't even include you. There'd be a lot less complaining. There'd be a lot less worry, stress, and strife. If every day when I woke up, I realized that at the end of this day, I want to keep my focus on what God has told me because somebody, I will encounter somebody or some circumstance that needs the attention of Christ in me, the hope of glory. Mm -hmm. So this parallels with our spiritual walk with Christ. Our journey is about those 
who are de- we are destined to help even more than it is about us individually in particular. Christ called you because he wanted to save you. Christ called us because he wanted us to not perish. Remember, the word says that God wishes that none would perish. That none would perish. What time is it? Oh, gosh, I can go like 14 more pages right here. Let me, let me share something with you. I, I had never thought of this un, until I heard uh, Robin Bullock say it the other day. And it, it just, it was truth. I just knew it was. Every man, woman, boy, and girl born in this life is a reflection of the Father. Sometimes it's easy to dismiss that when they don't behave in a way that we think they should. Is this too hard? Because you get ready. I want to share with you something that's going to change the, I think will change the way you think about you. I pray it does. Think about this. Every one of us are a reflection of the Father. Yes, you two ladies. Because we are male and female men. Now, don't get that messed up with this gender confusion mess. But we are humankind. We are humankind. And we are humankind in the form of male and female, according to God's will. According to God's will. Get this. Take your hand and look at the end of each one of your individual fingers. Now listen to this. You are the only person in this world with that set of fingerprints. You are so uniquely designed in God, he can identify you just by looking at your fingers. That sign is given to you for individuality. I'm a creation of God, and specifically this one. Think about that. God is so in love with you, that he made you so unique so that you could be a unique expression of him in this earth. Wow. You didn't realize you were that important, did you? Now, he gave us this uniqueness. Because you can do things I cannot do. And you will sign off in this life differently than I do. And you will touch people differently than I do. You're so unique that God did not want you to not be here. And the moment you were 
conceived in your mother's womb. That's another whole argument that I won't have with society. I know the truth. You were so uniquely designed. Boom. That you carry the reflection of the Father. Let me share this with you real quick and we'll move on. Every man, woman, boy, and girl born shares the reflection of the Father. Everyone reflects his general makeup, body, soul, and spirit. But the born again, unique person, that person who's come and had a right relationship and gotten with the Father and partnered with him like the disciples in this circumstance. Don't just reflect him. We reveal him. We reveal him to the world around us. This is how he, we should be. This is how our life should line up. This is how to get in touch with the Father. This is how to have right relationship with him. Doesn't make us better. It just makes us in alignment. Are you following my tracking with me in my thinking? So even a person who doesn't know the Lord the way you and I know the Lord reflects the Father. Rather, their actions are reflecting the Father or not. That's between them and God. Okay? But they, too, go through disorienting storms. They, too, go through difficult moments, difficult seasons, trying times. The difference is we have the word. We have a word and the word and the word of God. We have Christ Jesus. We're going to make it to the other side. And when we get to the other side, we will have fulfilled the destiny and the purpose that God has called for us to fulfill. If you believe that, give your neighbor a high five, even if you got to run across the aisle to do it. Mm. So let me get finished. I've got 15 minutes. Who believes it can be done? Oh, ye of little faith. Look at this. <laughs> they had the word go to the other side because someone was in great need at the end of their journey. This parallel of our spiritual walk lets us know that God has more for us than just individuality. He's got us in an individual relationship with him in individuality so that we can affect 
someone else. So that we can help someone else who's reflecting God but don't have relationship with him. They, they're created by God and he so wants to bring them in, but they don't know how to get to him. They don't know how to share with him. They don't know how to open up the conversation with him. The only time they pray is when they're in danger or when something's going wrong. And they'll cry out, oh, God, but, but, but it's not a life-changing relationship. It's just help me out of my trouble. But you and I have been planted in this life and in Cameron uh, particularly in this region that we might, I'm going to do it to you again, brother, we might reach out with our individuality, grab their individuality, and say, hey, let me help you. You can do more than just reflect the Father. You can reveal him. You can reveal him so that all your family see him. All your friends will go, wow, there really is a God. I'm going to pick on Pastor Steve for just a moment just because he's on the front row and looks so good today. But there was a time when, when your family did not recognize this new man. You know, this biker. They didn't recognize the change man. And they didn't even know they wanted it. They probably had prayed for that changed man for a long time. But when he became the changed man and his individuality now empowered through Christ, Jesus began to reach out. They go, what do we do with that? What do we do with him? Don't be surprised if the world around you, when you get that, when you get that confirmation of the fullness of Christ in you, when you reach out, don't be surprised when they don't know what to do with you. It's going to take some time for them to get their mind around, what is the deal? Just, just last week, we were doing lines. Today, here you are. Don't know you. Who are you? That fast. What happened to your leathers? I still like them, by the way. What, what's the dip? What happened? You're not the same guy. I can't even tell you a good dirty joke no more. So, listen, I, I didn't know this message was going to go this way, but I'm going to finish it if, if that's all right with you. The reason this happened to the disciples was that the man of the Gadareans was in a horrible, desperate condition. His torment was relentless, and he needed Jesus in the worst way. He couldn't help himself. And here's the problem. The world reflects the face of Father God, but without a relationship with him, they don't know how to help themselves. They hate every time they see their reflection in the mirror and they're doing a line. They hate it, but they can't stop it. They hate walking into the bar and staggering out, but they can't help it. They hate taking a handful of prescription drugs that they know is going to alter who they are, but they can't help it. Now, there's a whole lot more than just those. I just talked about addiction. 
They can't help it that everywhere they go, they cause trouble. They can't help it because they got a chip on their shoulder and they're ready to fight at all times. They're tormented. They're tormented about the fact that they're walking reflection of God, but he's not in their life. You all look like you got hit with a dead rabbit. So a storm comes suddenly in a violent microburst trying to capsize the ship and to sink it to the depths because your enemy knows if you make it to the other side, Bobby, if you park your truck in the right place, everything's going to change. Bobby came to our, our church, what, about a year ago? About a year ago. Stumbled in here, didn't believe in God, just had a conversation with some Pentecostal folks. Sorry if I tell that. He, he stumbled in here, and the waterworks began, and the power of God began to reveal itself that you were made for more than this. You were made more for more than what you know. There's a purpose and a destiny for you. It's not just to drive a truck. It's not just to do the things that you do behind the scenes and try to hold your little family together. There's a destiny in your walk, every step ordered by God. And when you discover it, you will reach the end destiny. And when you reach it, you are going to help someone get out of their miserable condition. So, because of that, the enemy designs violent downdrafts often to sink us before we reach our destiny. Why? Why? He hates you. He hates you because he hates the Christ in you. Why? I'm glad you asked. Why? Why? Because you are a threat. When, when Jesus was crucified at Calvary by the church because of the enemy the church was in bed with, When Jesus was crucified, Satan thought he won. <laughs> he forgot he is the resurrection and the life. And by his resurrection, he bought for you the power to live in his resurrection power through relationship with him. That's why you, just an average person, can have a conversation with a passerby 
and something electric happens. Boom. And that person begins to reflect over their life and where they've been. And about the time they've come up with the 400th excuse, they finally realize, I'm out of excuses. And their life suddenly changes in a moment because they made up their mind, I want more than God's reflection I want to know him. Why does the enemy cause these violent downdrafts? He hates you. He fears the power you wield to help someone else. He wants your hopes, dreams, and desires in God to sink before you can act upon them. The five-year struggle to get into this building was worth every ounce of the struggle. And do you know we worked for four years? We were in the building across town one year before we started trying to find the next place. It's now been a nine-year battle. Oh, But here we are right in the center of what God has called. He tried to sink our hopes and dreams. We even bought another piece of ground and nothing would work there. This was the first place God put up on our heart and we were rejected twice or three times before we got into here. Because he hates you because... If you help a desperate person who's tormented and set them free through Jesus, he loses big. When Jesus set the demoniac free in Gadara, a man who was tormented, who couldn't sleep, who lived in the graveyard, who was naked, and no one wanted to pass through the region because they would be accosted by a naked man who's out of his mind, writhing at the mouth and jumping on you and beating you and doing horrible things. And uh, you can imagine trying to pass by with your women folk, and here's this naked man out, out there acting like an idiot and cutting himself and bleeding and crying, and he would wail way into the night. Why? Because he was tormented about the fact that he had the image of God, but he had been serving the wrong one. And he's tore up from the floor up. He's messed up, and he's embracing death, just wanting to die. I've had people share with me that they were in a bad position, ready to commit suicide when they got a text from me. One individual shared with me, they had the gun in their mouth. You think you don't count? You think you don't count? Because if I wasn't in a right relationship with Christ, I wouldn't have known when to text that individual. So why do I want to live lackluster in my Christian walk and just be ho-hum? 
attend church, go home. Attend church, go home. No, there's only one way to truly live for God. All out, sell out, everything I am, lock, stock, and barrel, to know you intimately so you can speak to me so I can help someone else. Is this too much? I'm almost done, I promise. Everybody look at your watch. Moan, we got three minutes. Yours says five. Your watch is right. <laughs> so, when Jesus set the demoniac free, you know the story. When he stepped on the shore, that it wasn't the demoniac who cried out. The demoniac just ran to Jesus because he knew here's hope. There's hope. This man has hope. This man looks like God. There's hope. He ran to the only place he could find hope and fell at his feet. And the demons that were tormenting him spoke out of him. You say, you, do, you believe that, Pastor? Oh, I believe it. I've been there. I've seen it. I know it. I had it. They spoke out and said, why are you here to torment us? Isn't that the most cowardly thing you ever heard? They're ripping this man's life apart. And it's, there are 6,000 of them. How this man's withstood that kind of torment, I don't know. But they're ripping this man's life apart. And the moment Jesus comes on the scene, don't torment us, Jesus. And Jesus didn't fool with them. He didn't fool with them. He sent them out. You know the story into 2,000 pigs, which why in the world would a Jew, someone in a Jewish region be raising pigs? It's against their dietary law. And that day, the bottom fell out of the pork market. You know the story. You know what I'm talking about. 2,000 2, pigs ran down the hill and drowned themselves in the water. Why? Because the pigs couldn't take the torment that this one man was going through. 2,000 pigs couldn't take the torment. He sets this man free and suddenly he's clothed and in his right mind and people are coming from all over the region to see the miracle. And when God changes you, your friends come to see the miracle. They'll, they'll have things to say about it because if you know the truth, the people in this region, when they saw what had happened, they said, Jesus, would you leave? You would think they would embrace Jesus and pull him in and say, oh, don't ever, ever, ever leave us. But because this man was so changed, they're like, you know why? I can't drop this mic. This is concrete and this is brand new. You know why? Mm-mm-mm. I don't either because I lost a train of thought. <laughs> Doesn't happen to you, but it happens to me. The reason why, 
was because now we may have to change. See, we were doing a little something, something. We were raising pigs over here. Playing in a place you shouldn't be. Oh, my goodness. Where are the people who need to hear this today? So look at this. When Jesus set him free and he was completely restored, although the region didn't know what to do with him, God did. And the demoniac wanted to become a disciple and follow Jesus around wherever Jesus went. But Jesus knew his time was drawing near. And instead of siding with me, you have enough testimony. You have enough freedom now that I am assigning you an evangelist to ten cities. Take your testimony and turn that region upside down. I'm almost through. Is this closing what, four, five? Jesus, who knows what your assignment will be, has commissioned you the man of the Gadareans became an evangelist. But what if you were sent to someone to be a release in them a pastor, to release in them a teacher, to release in them a prophet or an apostle or a seer or someone who's just filled with great spiritual gifts or someone who has the gift of helps? What if God is just using you to set an individual free who will impact their world and turn it upside down for the cause of Christ? Would it be enough for this momentary microburst of the enemy's attack against your life? Can you stand without fearing? Because if you can stand without fearing, you have the promise you will make it to the other side. Amen. So if a gentleman, an out-of-nowhere storm arises, do not panic in fear. You are going somewhere the devil doesn't want you to go because you are going to upset his order and domain. And you are not going to go down with the ship and drown. So encourage yourself that you are in God's will, headed for God's purposes. You have his word, you have his heart, you have his authority. So like Christ Jesus, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. The next storm that you face, arise and look at the storm and say, shut up! Shut up! Shut up. Because that's what Jesus said. King James makes it sound so sweet. Peace be still. But what he was saying was shut up. You have no authority. I have the authority. Get out of here. 
they sailed in on a sea smooth as glass. Can you say amen? Father, we magnify you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that the pastor only went five minutes over. God, we ask, Lord, that you strengthen us in the inner man. We each and every one of us, Father, not only reflect the Father, but we have a unique designed purpose in this life. And I do not want to end up at the end of my life and not have a string of souls that I have touched I don't want to end the end of my life and stand before you, God, and say, I didn't know, or I was too busy playing, or I was, I was attending church. I just didn't get around to doing anything else. But God, my heart and my desire and my design, Father, is to reflect Jesus everywhere so that I can touch someone, Father, whose world is tormented by the enemy. Strengthen us all, Father, in the inner man. We'll give you the honor. Kel, would you come to the keyboard? <clears throat> With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give everyone an opportunity today to know Jesus as he is. If you came here to hear a, a really slick preacher, I'm sorry, you got a country bumpkin. I'm not well-versed. I'm not polished. But I'm real. And I'm honest. And I live not only my victories, but my failures to the outside. So that people can see that just because I have Christ doesn't make me perfect. And just because I know him doesn't mean I won't mess some stuff up. But it does mean that I have discovered my unique individuality in this life. Is that all that I need to be is wrapped up in him. All my success rides in a relationship with him. My failures are covered by him. And he takes my weaknesses and makes them my strengths. So today, under the sound of my voice across this place, if you're here today and something on the inside of you says, I don't want to just be a reflection. I want to live out my individuality in Christ. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, pray with me, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's honest. That is so honest. So honest and so beautiful. You see, I'm not standing up here saying you're deficient. I don't think it's the church's job to tell the world it's deficient. I think it's the church's job to show them what it is to be filled with Christ. Because he makes up all of the deficiencies of my life. So if you raised your hand, I don't want to embarrass anybody. That's not the point. The point is, 
I want to agree with you. Thank you, sir. And if you lifted your hand and you're not afraid to, would you just come and just line up across the front here? And let me just have a moment with you and pray with you.